You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. We continue the series we've been in in January called uh, New. Uh, we're doing that for obvious reasons. We just jumped into a new year. A lot of people are focused on the uh, idea of uh, new, new goals in their life, new resolutions and things like that. The Bible really has a lot to say about new, so that's why we've been uh, looking at it in this series. Uh, what we've done so far, uh, we've talked about having a new song uh, because of what Christ has done for us. We've got a new song that we can sing. Because of what Jesus did for us, we actually have a new life if you have faith in Him. And a result of having that new life, there's new mercy uh, also that is uh, available for us. Uh, today we're going to talk about a new commandment, then we're going to finish up uh, next Sunday talking about all things new as we uh, wrap up this, uh, this series. You think about a, a new commandment, Jesus gives us a commandment to, to love each other. And the Bible talks about that in a, in a lot of places, how we ought to love each other. Matter of fact, I think it's part of even a continuation of what we talked about last week, you know, having new mercy. You know, thank God we have a new song, we've got a new life, we've got new mercy. But I think part of God's mercy for us is that we can love each other and that he empowers us to do that and that we need to, to love each other. Um, You'll see kind of the message is not just based upon how we feel, but he commands us. He gives us a commandment that we're supposed to love each other. The Bible talks about a lot of places. John, and uh, in 1 John, and I want to uh, read this for you and, uh, and make a couple of comments, and then we're going to kind of switch up uh, gears a little bit about what we're doing uh, right now. But uh, John in 1 John said, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. There's really two huge commands that we're given in that one verse. We're told, first of all, that we're to believe in Jesus. I mean, that's first and foremost. You, you have to believe in Christ, have faith in him. But not only are we supposed to believe in Jesus, we're supposed to also love each other. And what we're going to do right now is have Brad and Brandy and the ones from UTH that went on the mission trip. They're going to come up and they're going to share with you just for a few minutes about how they had the opportunity to go and talk to people about believing in Jesus in Guatemala over Christmas and how they had the opportunity to carry the love of Jesus there and to demonstrate this love that we're commanded to have there. And then after they do that, I'm going to be back up to... Uh, I'm going to be back up to finish the, the message, to go on with the message at that point.
You guys got to hear from me four or five weeks before we left, so I'm just going to let these guys explain what went on. There's nothing, there's not enough time to explain and share the stories that we have, um, but I'm going to let these guys just talk and share their hearts. Um, first of all, before I want to start talking, I want to thank everybody who donated to the Wall of Hope because um, it helped us out extremely. Um, while we were there, we um, packed food baskets with your money to um, feed an orphanage. We um, packed over 200 for about 200 people and 200 families. Um, Let's see. Um, We did spend Christmas there, which was kind of interesting. We went hiking, actually, on Christmas Day, which was way different than what I would normally have spent at Doin, because that day everybody was off work, so there wasn't really nothing to do. then, um, some of the videos that you saw of the landfill feeding, um, the first day that we went to feed, I just got out of the van, and it just hit me, and it was just, it was just hard to bear, and, um, they eat every other day. And we eat three times a day. They wake up every morning. Wondering if they'll eat that day. 
And here's some of the pictures um, from that. Some of the houses they lived in, which just was amazing, um, what they could build out of nothing. Um, some of them made out of mud. Some of them made out of uh, tarps. Just anything and up to ten people just sleeping in it. Here, um, I'm seeing this little girl in that picture. Um, and she was probably like three or four years old eating beef and rice. Um, um, just one thing that I took from the trip was just to be fortunate for what you have. Food on the table and clothes on your back. Thanks. Hey, I'm Tanner. Um, I want to talk about our Christmas in Guatemala. Um, we started off and we went to the orphanage and celebrated with them. We gave presents out and did a lot of dancing and fun stuff. But uh, the way they celebrate there is they, um, they light fireworks. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but they like throw them at each other and stuff. And we was kind of freaking out at first and then we kind of got used to it. Well, uh, there was one that wasn't. Well, Brandy thought that it was out, but it was actually lit, so when she picked it up, it blew up in her hand. That was exciting. And um, After we went to the orphanage, we went to the little strip and celebrated with the town and the village, Yana Verde. Yeah. And then um, they did fireworks there. And then that night, um, we took communion. Um, we went to the bakery and got back bread, which is the best bread, and they, um, we had grape soda, and we took communion um, with that. We, uh, we learned the true meaning of Christmas um, by getting life, and through that we was given life to others by sharing God's word down there, and that was our Christmas. All right, so I'm going to talk about the Nutrition Center, and there's already been a few pictures up there. But the Nutrition Center is um, it's a hospital for babies, and they go out, this um, compound, the organization, goes out into the mountains or really wherever they know that a baby is malnourished or just on the verge of death, and they go and pick up this baby, and they bring it back to this hospital, the Nutrition Center, and they bring it back to life. And um, a lot of people will come down there, and they'll, like, bring baby clothes and baby foods and tons of stuff like that. But I don't feel like the nannies, the ones that are actually giving life back to these children, that are actually nursing them back to life, nobody ever gives them anything. So that was my passion this year, was giving gifts to the people that don't ever get them. And so I took a bunch of stuff, and it was stuff that, like, I use every day that I take for granted every single day. Um, each bag had fingernail polish in it, a pencil, a razor, some deodorant, and um, cheap perfume, like dollar store perfume. And like whenever we were trying to give it to them, they didn't think that we understood what we were saying. They thought that we were mistaken and we were trying to say that we were giving gifts to the babies. But once they figured out that it was for them, 
they were so excited and like we saw them in the back, Brad saw them in the back and they were laughing and they were like comparing what they got and it was really cool. But um, a lot of those women, they were very grateful for that because a lot of them don't get gifts like that. They come in and they're overlooked even though they're the ones that are nursing these babies back to health. Um, also, they have a really hard job because a lot of these babies are very, very unhealthy and a lot of these babies are um, not attractive. Some might say um, they're not like the picture-perfect baby. There's one little girl, and we think that she might have been new to the nutrition center. Um, a lot of her hair had fallen out, so she didn't have much hair, and she would just sit on the floor and cry. And whenever we went, um, Tanner was the only one that was, like, able to hold her without her crying. So that was really cool because, like, I would try and pick her up, and she'd start crying again. So Tanner could hold her, and she would stop crying, but that was it. As soon as he put her back down, she would start crying again. But, um... I met a little girl named Estelita, and Estelita is two years old, and she was the one that I was holding, and I was, like, swinging her up. She had on pink tights because she liked to rip her clothes off, so they put tights on her, and um, she was two years old. She couldn't walk, and she had no family, and while I was there, she had an ear infection, and um, here, that's no big deal because you just go to the doctor, and you get some medicine, and it's gone in five days, but um, right now, Guatemala is so poor that their hospitals don't have medicine. So that was just something that she was having to deal with. If you want to get fixed down there, you go to the pharmacy, you get your own medicine, and you take it to the hospital, and they help you with it. But the hospital has no medicine. And so Guatemala has no medicine right now. So she was having to deal with an ear infection. And raise your hand if you've ever had an ear infection. Everybody's had an ear infection, and they hurt, right? This little girl was two years old, and they had no medicine for that. She was, that was just something that she was having to deal with. But um, so I met her. But um, my challenge to myself was to um, use my resources, like use the things that God has blessed me with. You know, I didn't ask to be born in America and grow up in a privileged family. Estelita didn't ask to be born to a family who was going to leave her. She didn't ask to be born an orphan. Um, so my challenge to myself was just to use my resources, and whether that be money or the material things that you need, that's awesome. But if you feel like you don't have any of that stuff, you know, the greatest resource that God gives us is love. And that's something that every single person here can do, is you can love. And my challenge is to love the unlovable. The, ones, the babies that are unattractive, the babies that have a cleft palate, and the babies that don't have any hair because they pulled it out or they've been... It's, They've been no, so malnutrition that it's fallen out. So I'm going to leave, I'm going to end off with one verse. And it's Proverbs 3.27. And it applies here every day. We pass somebody who needs help. It says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of times y'all heard me talk about the Village Refuge, and we, we asked them if we could go work with this village again. And I'm just going to let you know what this picture is here. The money you gave on the Wall of Hope, um, part of that went to help pay for our food and our lodging in Guatemala. But we took $700 of that. And Refuge um, is three times the size that it was last year. When we walked in there... I mean, we had to go through a different entrance. I'm like, that's not refuge. And I said, oh, yeah, it is. And it's just grown that much. 
for $700, we fed 160, 156 families for one week. And I figured that up. It was 768 people that we fed for one week for $700. And that just blew my mind that we could do that. Because if we were here in America, we couldn't go to Wendy's on a 99-cent menu and buy them one meal, much less a week's worth. And then earlier when the video started, you saw a bunch of kids with shoes. And then there were some kids with some gifts. We bought 85 orphan kids Christmas presents for $200. And this wasn't junk. It was like miniature Tonka trucks, baby dolls, stuff like that. 200 bucks bought five, um, 85 kids gifts for Christmas. And we got to be there when they opened their presents on Christmas Eve. So that's pretty awesome. So that's just a little bit what we did with your money this, this past year in Refugee. And um, I know I'm appreciative, but I know that these people in this picture really, really appreciate it. Uh, I just wanted to leave you with uh, some prayer requests and just to let you know we're going to be out in the connection area after the service if you guys are interested or have any questions or um, we're going to be planning another trip. Um, the guys behind you right here, they're seniors and they want to spend their senior week in Guatemala instead of going on vacation. So we're planning that in June and we'll have more information if y'all want to give me your email or whatever and we can let you know about that. So a prayer request is our our next Guatemala trip, and then we had a guy that went with us, his name was Diego, and he was a Jehovah's Witness, and he was our translator, so um, we got to talk to him a little bit about um, some scripture that was our favorite, and he had to translate it to our guide, because he didn't know any English, so um, he said he was going to go home and look up a couple words, so maybe that sparked a little bit in him, and um, just pray for him that he um, listens and um, that he may uh, be saved. And then uh, Elvita is the little girl that we sponsor. Just um, continue to pray for her. And then their hospital, that they can raise some money um, because the Guatemala don't have any money for medicine. And so that they could be um, used in that. There's still, they're like, I think one more floor of the hospital and it'll be ready to go. So pray for that. And then a little guy that Brad got to share Christ with that accepted Christ, his name is Ishmael. And then the girl that um, Jill talked about, her name's Estelita, and just that um, maybe her infection can go away. Um, I know she had an ear infection, I think an eye infection, and she's um, just kind of sick. So just pray for her and just remember all those um, repair requests for that. And thank you very much. So as, uh, as you prayed for them and as you gave, you were uh, involved in, in loving other people, and that's really what we're talking about today. Uh, especially we're going to be talking about loving uh, each other. Look what uh, Jesus said. I, the verse I read a moment ago is just kind of a send-off verse. It's not the, uh, not the verse that we're, uh, or the text that we're looking at in the message. But in uh, John 13, Jesus said this. Uh, the Bible says when he had gone out, Jesus said, and uh, that's talking about Judah going, uh, Judas going out. And it says, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in, in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while am I with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. <clears throat> a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. 
By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. As we look at this text this morning, these, these scriptures that I've just read, I, I want us to try and, and find some, some really in, important truths, some necessary truths, some needful truths for, for us that we can apply to our lives as we think about this topic of a new commandment, of, of loving one another. Here's, here's the first truth that we're going to look at. If you're following along in your notes, you can just fill in the blanks as we go. Loving one another, first of all, is needful for the followers of Christ. We, we need to love each other. It's needful in our lives. We need it as, as an experience that we have with each other in our lives together. Look, look again what Jesus said there, and then we're going to break it down. It said, when he had gone out, you know, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. And he's talking about his, his death, what he's going to face as he goes to the cross. And God, the Father, is going to be glorified through uh, Jesus, what Jesus does in obedience as he goes to the cross and uh, dies for our sins and takes his life back up. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while, he's looking at his disciples and he refers to them with that term of endearment. Little children, yet a little while am I with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. It is needful for us to love each other. That, that's something that we need to experience in, in our own lives. And one of the reasons why that is true is that others will disappoint us. And that doesn't come as a surprise to you, does it? That other people in your life will disappoint you. Even other people who you think really, really love Jesus, they're going to disappoint you and let you down from time to time. I'm drawing that thought from the fact that it says when he had gone out. I told you a minute ago, that's referring to Judas. And, and what happens here is this. You know, Judas walks out and Jesus begins talking to his disciples about really his, his death, although maybe they weren't putting it all together yet and, uh, and what he was about to face. But he's talking to them about his death. He's talking to them about loving each other and things. But, but I want you to key in on this part of it. It's something that maybe I think we might miss. But if you read it in context, I think this is what's happening also in Jesus telling us to love each other. Judas is going out the door. Judas is about to do what? Betray, betray Jesus. That's what he's headed to do. And, and Jesus, being God in the flesh, knew full well how the disciples would feel when that would happen. That's why as Judas leaves, Jesus knowing what he's going to do, Jesus knowing that the disciples are going to be confronted with this, that Judas, the one that was among them, actually is going to betray Jesus. Jesus tells them this. He tells them that they're to love each other. He tells them in, in, that they are to, to practice love toward each other. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also love one another. See, I believe part of the intent, there's a lot of things going on with that, but I believe part of the intent of Jesus telling his disciples after Judas goes out to love each other is the reality that they're going to be probably sidetracked a little bit, discouraged a little bit, disappointed a little bit. A lot of questions mark will hit, hit, well, question marks will hit their minds once they find out what Judas has done. Now think about it. Here's why. Judas had been with them day in and day out. Judas had heard the same things that Jesus had said. Judas had gone and seen all the miracles that Jesus had performed. Judas had even been sent out with the other disciples. 
But even though all that's the case, Jesus referred to Judas as being a devil. He wasn't a real believer. He was not authentic. But the other disciples didn't know that yet. I mean, they're even sitting there as Jesus is saying, one of you is about to betray me. And Peter said, oh, no, none of us are going to do that. And they didn't even put two and two together when Judas walked out. They thought he was going out for another reason. Didn't know he was going to have to betray Jesus. So it was going to be a thing of, of discouragement that would sidetrack the disciples some, that would make them wonder, how in the world can this happen? He was with us day in and day out. He heard the same things Jesus you know, said and saw the same things Jesus did that we saw. And now he has turned his back on Jesus. Jesus knew, I think, that would be a point of discouragement for them. And you see, the way we need to apply that in our lives is this, guys. You and I will have people in our lives, sometimes people that we think love Jesus, that will discourage us, that will disappoint us, that will do things that just puts huge question marks in our minds about how in the world can this happen. And because that's a reality, because people in your life and in my life will disappoint us and discourage us, that's one of the reasons why we need to love each other. Because we will face times in our lives when other people let us down, just like Judas really let the other disciples down. And we'll have these huge question marks. How in the world could this person do this? And we'll face discouragement. And that's one of the reasons why we need to, to love each other. We also need to love each other for this reason. Not only will people discourage us, people that we love and people that love us sometimes may leave us. Sometimes may leave us. Jesus said a moment ago, I already told you he was talking about his death, but look what Jesus said there. He, he said, now is the Son of Man glorified. He, he's talking about what he's about to face. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be put through a mock trial, to be beaten and abused, be nailed to a cross. And by the way, I want you to understand something. Don't ever, ever, ever look at Jesus and think, well, man, that's awfully weak. He's there and they arrested him and you know, he didn't do anything about it and they beat him and they nailed him to the cross. Can I tell you something? He was never in more of his glory than when he was shedding his blood, nailed to the cross for our sins. Man, that's Jesus in his glory for us. But Jesus goes on and he tells them that you're going to seek me. You're going to look for me. Just like I told the Jews, and where I'm going, you can't come. In other words, Jesus, who they loved, Jesus, who loved the disciples, about to go where they can't follow him. At least not now. Jesus even tells them that they're not really supposed to even try. They're going to be left in this earth to carry on his mission. It wasn't time for them yet to follow him and face persecution or follow him and get themselves crucified at, at that point. Jesus tells them that I'm going to a place where you can't come. At least not yet. Now when you get into John chapter 14, Jesus even tells them, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You see, that gives me indication that Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that they were troubled. And he knew what was about to happen would trouble them. The fact that he was going away. And Jesus tells them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So in other words, there would be a time that they would be with Jesus. Because he's going to prepare a place so they could be with him. But not right now. 
Right now, he's about to go to the cross. Right now, he is about to be buried in the tomb. Right now, the disciples are going to go through these emotions of having somebody that really, really loved them and that they loved to be gone. Because on the other side of the tomb, even after they see him raised from the dead, remember what happens a few days down the road? He ascends to heaven. He's gone. Someone that they really, really loved was going to leave them. And the application for our lives is this. Sometimes people that we really, really, really love leave us. Sometimes people that really, really, really loves us leaves us. Sometimes it's by death. Sometimes it's because of other circumstances. But when you lose somebody that you really, really, really love, you know what? It hurts, doesn't it? And I think that is part of why Jesus is telling the disciples, you need to love each other. I'm giving you a new command that you need to love each other as I've loved you. Because he understood they would be discouraged by what Judas was about to do. They're going to be hurt by the fact that Jesus is about to leave them, one that they loved, and one that loved them was about to be gone. So he gives them that commandment, and he tells them, you need to love each other. But then thirdly, we need to love each other for this reason. The world will mistreat us. As believers, the world will mistreat us. That's one of the reasons why Jesus tells us to love each other, I think. Because the actions of others will discourage us and we'll need to love each other through it when that happens. Because when we lose people that we love, we'll need to love each other through it. But also, as believers, we're told up front by Jesus, the world's going to hate us. Look what he says later on in John chapter 15. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you because you would be like you belong to the world. You're like part of its own, but because you're not of the world. But I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. He's warning us up front. Hey, the world is not going to be all tickled pink that you are following me. The world will persecute you and hate you. And the truth of the matter is, guys, we get enough hurt in the world, from the world. Why in the world as believers should we hurt each other? I think that's central to Jesus telling us that we need to love each other. Yes, we'll be discouraged by the actions of others. And yes, we'll lose people that we really loved and that really loved us. And we need to love each other through those things. And the world is going to hurt us and attack us and persecute us if we're following Jesus. Jesus tells us up front it will happen. And that's another reason why we need to love each other. Not hurt each other. Not bite each other. But we as believers, we need to love each other. It's a new commandment that Jesus gives us. He gives us that commandment because we're going to be discouraged by the actions of others. What people do is really needful in our, in our lives as believers that we love each other. Number two, we need to love each other. Another truth about loving each other is this. It's, it's needful for us, but also loving one another. Christians loving each other is powerful in the lives of others. Look what else Jesus said as he kept talking. This new commandment, he said, I give you. 
that you love one another just as I've loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, here's why, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. It's needful for us. We need to love each other. We need it, but it's powerful in the lives of others when they see Christians loving each other. Really, loving each other is indispensable. Practicing Christian love is indispensable because Jesus didn't say, I give you a new suggestion. Did you notice that? Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. It's a commandment he's given us. In other words, Jesus is kind of legislating that we're to love each other. It's like he said, all right, here's a law that I'm passing for you guys. If you're going to follow me, you need to love each other. I've got this law that you need to follow. This commandment that I am giving you that you need to love one another. Now, it's not a, a new commandment in terms of God never having said it before because in the Old Testament, we're told, and here's one instance of it in, in the law, we were told to love each other also. Look, look at this verse in, in Leviticus. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbors yourself. I am the Lord. And the Bible tells us that time and time and time again through the Bible. So it's not like Jesus is saying something new that you've never heard before, but Jesus is saying something new in that now, through faith in Jesus, we have the example and we have the ability and we have the power to love each other like that. So I, I, I don't have the capacity in myself to love you like that. You know, Lynn Parsons sometimes would just as soon smack you as look at you. But it's with God in me and the Holy Spirit in my life that I have the capacity to love you even when you're unlovable or I'm unlovable. You ought to have the capacity to love me. Even when people disappoint us and let us down and discourage us and hurt us, we ought to have the capacity to love other people because he's living in our lives. That's what he's meaning by this word new when he says that we're to, to love one another. The word new that he uses there means new in freshness or new in experience. It's like a, a new experience that we can love each other now as we should because Jesus lives in our heart as believers. It, it's like it's new. It's something fresh that we can have. God told us already to do it, but now through Jesus we've got the example of how to do it and the power of loving each other because of what he's done for us. But think about this. Like I said a moment ago, he commands us. He's legislating love. How, how in the world can he do that? I mean, that's an initial question that we might have, isn't it? How can there just be a, a law that Jesus gives us that I'm supposed to love somebody? Because a lot of times we don't feel like it, right? A lot of times our, our emotions get involved in, and we're thinking, man, I don't even like that person. You're telling me that I'm supposed to love them? How, how, how can Jesus have the audacity then to tell us that it's indispensable that we practice Christian love, that we love each other? We see, he, the truth of the matter is, when you look at the life of Jesus, real love is more than a mushy feeling or an emotion. Real love, when you look at the love of Jesus, the example that Jesus set, real love is an action. It's a verb. It requires us doing something. That's what real love is. 
Think about the example of Jesus for a minute. Jesus took action and practiced love by teaching people, by touching people, even people in that day and time that the world thought was untouchable. Don't go around the lepers and stuff like that, you know? Jesus taught people. Jesus touched people. Jesus was healing people. Jesus fed people. Jesus raised people from the dead. Jesus calmed storms in their lives. Jesus sent people out to minister to other people. Jesus died for us on the cross. Jesus, through His ministry, communicates to us that love is an action. Love is a verb. It's something that you do. It's not just something that you feel. It's not just an emotion. That's how Jesus can can legislate what he means by telling us that we're to love one another because it requires action. It's not, he's not saying love somebody if you feel like loving them. He's taking it beyond the, the emotion of love to, to where we have to plan intentionally to take actions and steps in lives of other people to love them. That's what Jesus did. My goodness, he left a perfect environment in heaven. The portals of glory to come here and take on a fleshly body and face the junk that we face in life so he could clearly show us what it is to love people. He took actions all through his life to love others. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 tells us this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. See, it's not telling us we know love because Jesus said, I feel like loving you and you were worth loving. It says we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The Bible's telling us the example of Jesus is loving people not by our words, but by our deeds, by our actions. Being willing to lay our lives down, being willing to put others first, to be willing to schedule them into our lives instead of everything being about what we want and what we want to do. We need to, instead of just talk about laying our lives down, we need to clearly take steps and actions to, to lay our lives down. Real Christian love is not an emotion. It's, it's meeting needs in love. Let me use Peter for an illustration for a minute. Remember what Peter did. Peter denied the Lord. And he's all you know, ready just to go back to his old lifestyle of fishing and things like that. Jesus shows up you know, there on the seashore. And Jesus goes through this process in John chapter 21 to restore Peter. Peter denied him three times. So three times Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Each time after Peter said, yes, you know that I love you. You remember what Jesus told him? Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus said, care for my lambs. Jesus said, second time, feed my sheep. And, and I've preached that text a whole lot of times about how Peter being restored, but I think maybe I had missed this aspect of it because each time that he says, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. Jesus more or less says, prove it by what you do. Get over what you've done and, and if you want to prove that you love me, go out and, and feed my sheep and care for my lambs and feed my sheep and take care of them. That's how you take steps to showing what real love is. 
Love's more than just an emotion. It is indispensable. Jesus tells us it's indispensable. It's a command. He tells us that we're to love one another. The practicing Christian love is not only indispensable, it's also influential. Influential. Because Jesus went on and he said this, By this, by you loving one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You and I practicing Christian love toward each other is influential in the lives of other people. That's why it's powerful. We need it ourselves. We need to love each other. Because of all the things I said earlier, people will, will disappoint us and discourage us and we'll lose people that loved us and, and the world will mistreat us. So we need to love each other. But the other aspect of it is this. The world needs to see us loving each other because it is influential in their lives when they see us practicing love. Did you notice there that Jesus did not say, everyone will know you're my disciples by what you know? That's not what he said. He more or less said, people will know you're my disciples by how you go, not by what you know. You can have your head and your heart even crammed full of theological truths and doctrines and it not mean one little bit if you don't allow love to come through in your life. Paul even said if we have all these things and all these abilities and everything else, we don't have love. We're just like a noisy gong or something that no one really wants to hear. Not in tune or anything else. It's just a noise. People will know that we're his disciples by, by how we by how we go, not just by, by what we know, not the stuff that's in here, but by the way we act. He didn't say that people will know you're my disciple because your name is on the roll at church. More or less, to coin a modern phrase that people use, more or less you might say Jesus said people will know you're my disciples by how you roll. Because the way we ought to roll as believers is practicing Christian love in our lives. To love each other so it will meet the needs that we have, but so it will also be influential in the lives of lost people around us to where a lost world can see what Jesus is really all about. See, practicing, uh, you and I practicing Christian love is more influential in the lives of other people than our sermons, than our Bible studies, than, than our Christian music, than, than all the other stuff we might think that we, that we do, that we are showing people. Well, I memorized you know, so much of the Bible. I can go ahead and spell it out. That's fine. Do you love anybody? Are you practicing love toward anybody else? Do you love other believers? Man, I've met some people, and I hate to admit it, but I've met some people in my life that I think are probably quote the Bible forwards and backwards in some legalistic type fashion, and, and they knew the Bible by miles and miles and miles, but they lived it by the inch, and they're some of the mean, meanest-spirited people I've ever seen in my life. Jesus says you're not going to convince a lost and dying world. You're not going to be influential in their lives by, by having the, the wrong type of attitude. By our dress codes, by, by debates over our Bible versions, and then things like that. The world sits back when we argue that stuff, and all that does is give them ammunition to say, I don't want what they have. Instead of us being influential in their lives by loving each other. 
1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1 says this, We know that all of us possess knowledge. He's talking about believers. But look what, look what Paul says. This knowledge puffs up. <laughs> we get puffed up and prideful about it. But love does what? Builds up. That's why we need to practice Christian love. Let me go back to UTH and all the stuff you saw on the screen a moment ago, the mission trip at Christmas. What would have been more influential in the lives of those people there in Guatemala? Had an airplane arrived from North America, from America, and, and coming in off the airplane, or all these people wearing three-piece black suits and carrying 10-pound Bibles, and they hit the ground screaming at everybody, you're going to hell. Or would it be more influential when these people come from America and roll up their sleeves and feed them and paint their buildings and love them and care for their children? That's what, op that's what opens up their hearts to make them wonder, why are they doing this? Why are they here? Was it because they showed up looking like Christians? It's because they showed up and they acted like Christians. Like we're supposed to act like Christians. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 and 15 says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law, catch this, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. You want to fulfill God's desire in the world? Then we need to love each other and let people see us loving each other. If they see us biting and devouring each other, we're not only consuming each other, we're consuming our influence in a lost world. Because practicing Christian love is, is necessary. It's needful. It's time we influence the world by, by Christian love that we practice for each other. The church, regrettably, has influenced the world enough by being mean-spirited and hateful and judgmental and biting each other and devouring each other down. It's time that we influence the people around us by us loving each other as we should. Jesus legislates love. He gives us a command. We need it ourselves. It's needful in the lives of believers. It's powerful in the lives of others. He tells us that we're to, to do it. We're to love others. But, but I want you to notice thirdly that loving one another is, is also sacrificial after the example of Jesus. Because the whole central verse that we've been focusing everything around this morning, Jesus said this. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Well, I wonder how we do that. <laughs> Jesus says this. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. We, we think of the love of Jesus as being sacrificial. But a lot of times we just you know, push that forward to Him being on the cross. 
Do you realize the entire ministry of Jesus represented sacrificial love? It was sacrificial love, as I alluded to earlier, for Him to leave heaven and come into this world. It was sacrificial love for Him to care for other people, to meet the needs of other people, feed other people, heal other people. It was sacrificial love for Him to hang out with people, to minister to people. All that was sacrificial love. Jesus was sacrificially coming into this world in human form to face temptation, emotional stress, physical hunger, pain. He sacrificially put other people first. And yes, He died on the cross. But loving each other, it needs to be sacrificial in in nature. Later on in John 15, he said this, verse 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Next slide. But I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you'll love one another. You see the sacrificial and nature part in all that Jesus said? We read it in... John 13, verse 34, we're to love each other as he loved us. We, we read it here in John 15. He tells us that we're to lay our lives down for other people. We're to lay our lives down for our friends. That, here's a radical concept. You and I as believers ought to think of each other's friends. He thought of his disciples as friends, and he said, I chose you. He didn't choose them because they deserved to be chosen, because they were all pretty and nice and had everything in order. He chose them. And you and I need to choose people in similar ways. We need to choose people and befriend them and love them with the love of Jesus. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I've told you everything the Father's told me. And that's what we ought to be doing to help other people. We need to be sharing what the Father speaks to our heart to other people. We need to bear good fruit. But he says sacrificially that we're to love others because he sacrificially loved us. Practicing Christian love, real Christian love, ought to be sacrificial in nature. We ought to lay down our lives for for others. In other words, maybe we need to change the question that we ask a lot of times. You know what our question is? I'm afraid most of the time it's the first question I've got on the screen. What can we get out of them? What can I get from that person? What can we get out of them? And what we really ought to be asking is, what can we do for them? We're going to launch a series here before long, dealing with marriage for about 10 weeks. And I want to submit something to you. That's a question that you need to apply to your own marriage, too. I'll just kind of give a free advertisement for this series we're getting ready to go into. It's not what you can get out of your spouse. It's what you can do for your spouse. And in a similar way, guys, as believers, we shouldn't look at others and say, well, what can I get? You know, what's in it for me if I love somebody? What can I get out of this? That's the completely wrong approach. You and I ought to be looking at each other's needs and our hurts and our pain and what we're going through in life. And we ought to be saying, what can I do for them? 
And if all of us would have the focus, what can I do for somebody else? You know what would happen? All of our needs would be met because we'd be loving each other as we should. If we quit being so inward focused and focus upon the lives of, of others. See, laying our lives down for others involves more than just being willing to physically die. A lot of times that's all we think about. Well, Jesus said we're to love each other as he loved us. So Jesus died for us. So I need to have the mindset that I'm willing to die for somebody else. And I would die for somebody else if I had to. If it come down to it, I would take a bullet or whatever for somebody else to help them out, to, to preserve their life. You know, it's really easy for us to throw out that macho stuff because of the truth of the matter is that probably will never happen. Sacrificial love involves more than just saying you're willing to die for somebody. Sacrificial love means by your attitude and your actions, you put other people first. That you love them, that you put them first, that you, that you focus upon what, what they need. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 through 10 says, Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, and then he lists all these commandments. You shall not commit adultery, murder, da 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 You know why love is central to all those things? If you really love the other person, you're not going to want to perpetuate those things against them. If you really, truly love them. Sacrificial love also involves laying down things like our own pride. In 1 Corinthians 13, what we call the love chapter, the Bible says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If we're really going to love, we have to be willing to kick our pride aside in order to put somebody else first. And I know, I can feel it coming on. Someone's going to say, yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. I, I, I just don't even like that person. I, I don't feel like loving that person. I, I really don't like that person. So how can I, can I feel loving toward them? We need to come back to what we're talking about this morning. It's a command. Nowhere in what we're talking about this morning did Jesus said, love one another if you feel like it. That's not what he said. He didn't say love one another if you emotionally have the mindset to love somebody else. You see, sacrificially loving someone means this. Sacrificially loving someone means that you're willing to sacrifice what you want for their betterment. Sacrificially loving someone means it doesn't have anything to do with your feelings. It has to do with you taking action and steps. It's not about how you feel about them. It's how you act toward them. Do you understand the difference? There can be people that I might have to deal with in my life that I might not feel loving toward sometimes because of the way they are, but that doesn't let me off the hook of where Jesus doesn't expect me to act loving toward them. That's the way he loved us. He didn't come and go to the cross because I was pretty and I deserved it. Neither did he do it for you. Because you were all perfect. And he said, oh, I, you know, they're so great. I'm going to go suffer and die on the cross so they can go into heaven. Because look how great they are. No, he came in spite of who we are and died for our sins and paid for our sins. And through his actions proved that he loved us. 
See, real love is, is sacrificial in nature. 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. In this commandment we have from Him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Jesus, in preparing his disciples for his death and for what Judas was about to do and for the way the world was going to treat them, Jesus gives them a new commandment. Jesus tells them that they are to love each other. We ought to do it. We need to practice that Christian love because we need it. We need that experience in our own lives. Are you really expecting, honest, tell me this. Are you really expecting the world out there to love you as a Christian? You see, that's not their responsibility. It wasn't given to them by Jesus. The responsibility has been given to you and me to love each other. Jesus was about to leave. That's what he's preparing his disciples for. He's about to leave and go to heaven. After he died on the cross, he's going to sin. He's leaving us behind. Why? To carry on his ministry. He's leaving us behind with a new commandment. The new commandment is we're to be here as Christ's love in the world now because he's gone and he's left us here to love each other and to love this world. We need it. I need it. You need it. Don't you? Be honest. You need to be loved by other people because people do discourage you and disappoint you and because people you love leave this world or leave you and because the world mistreats you we need that experience of love but we also need to love each other because it's powerful in the lives of others it's a command it's indispensable he tells us to do it and it's influential that's how we want to impact the world around us and how we'll most effectively impact the world around us is when we love others but it's also sacrificial in nature we're to love as He loved us. Look at this verse as I close. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. That should be First John, by the way. But that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Big theological word that means what Jesus did on the cross satisfied the holy demands of God. Beloved, if God so loved us, if He so loved us that He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins, if He so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Why? No one's ever seen God. God's not here physically right now walking around this earth where people can see God and say, oh, look how loving God is. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us. So they see God through the way we love each other. In His love, the love of God is perfected in us as we practice love. Let's pray. Father, Lord, this morning I, God, I pray that you convict our hearts concerning how we ought to love each other. Lord, there's been so much pain and, and so much confusion 
caused within Christianity, within the church, by, by believers hating each other, by believers gossiping about each other, by, by believers plotting against each other. God, help us to love each other. You, you gave it to us as a command. And through Jesus, you provided the perfect example of what love is supposed to be all about. God, help us who know Christ as Savior to love in that way. Help us to love each other and by doing so meet the needs that we have in our lives. God, help us to love each other as, a, as an example, a powerful example of your love in the world. So we can influence this world the way we should. By them seeing authentic Christian love practiced between believers, between Christians. God, remind us that love is sacrificial. It's not about us, it's about others. It's not about feeling like, it's about doing it because you told us to. Father, if there's someone here today that does not know Christ as Savior, God, help them to see how much you love them, that you did leave heaven and you came into this world. You died in their place on the cross and paid for their sins so that through faith in you, they can be forgiven and have everlasting life. God, you tell us it's not based on our performance. It's not by works so that anyone would boast about it. God, it's not based upon our performance. It's based upon what Jesus did for us on the cross. There's someone here today that needs Jesus. Give them the faith they need to receive that love that you displayed for them on Calvary. Father, right now, I realize with a topic, there may be some here this morning that's guilty because they realize they've, they're holding something against another believer or they've not loved as they should. God, deal in their heart and just help them work through that right now. And God, help them realize right now in this moment that them loving others is a command and empower them to do so. Father, I pray for all of us as believers that you'll remind us every moment of our lives that people are looking at our lives and that we need to love in the right way so we can influence them for eternity. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to close the service with a baptism. Maybe someone here, as I prayed, that does not know up until this point, maybe you've, you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've always thought it was about you and about you being good enough. and That's not it at all. It's all about Jesus and what He did for us on the cross. And if you've never accepted that, never trusted in, I want to invite you to come as the band sings in just a moment. And we don't have a change of clothes for you. We do have towels to get you dry. Matter of fact, we do have some change of clothes that people have brought and donated. Forgot about that. But, uh, you know, maybe the God's speaking in your heart today telling you you need to trust in Him and need to follow on through right now with baptism. So I invite you to come to receive Christ as your Savior if you never have. He loved you and died for you. But the rest of us as believers, you know what we need to be really serious about during this time? We need to be really serious with God and say, God, 
Forgive me when I've not been loving toward other believers. Forgive me when I've been judgmental. Forgive me when I've gossiped about them and I've kind of, you know, chewed them down. God, I pray that you help me for the rest of my life to love others so that by me loving others, we can meet their needs in a lost world will understand what Christianity is all about. And you can make that decision right where you are, but maybe God will tell you as a believer, you need to come and kneel and pray and say, God, help me to love others as I should. Please listen to the Lord to come as God speaks to your heart. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Dathan Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.